This podcast series is a journey through history, one guided by the lyrics of Billy Joel's song, We Didn't Start the Fire. In this episode, we're spinning the story of one of the world's most timelessly popular toys, the hula hoop. While it's often thought of today as a fad of the past, the hula hoop has actually existed in a variety of different forms for centuries and is debatably still as popular today as ever. Joining us to talk about it is Bunny B. Starr, the founding director and owner of Australian hula hoop company Hoop Empire. A professional hula hooping performer as well as manufacturer, Bunny has plenty of insights into the history of the hoop, which they'll share with us as we go. 3000 BCE, Ancient Egypt. People discover they can curve and loop reeds into the shape of hoops. Children and adults alike are quick to put these to use, spinning them around their waist and rolling them along the ground, tapping them with a stick. Next, across the Aegean Sea in Greece, hoops are crafted out of grapevines and used as exercise equipment. Scrap metal is also turned into hoops for children to play with. Across the world, Inuit children are setting their hoops rolling, then tossing harpoons through them in their efforts to train as hunters. The Lakota Sioux people weave hooping into their culture, using them to represent the circle of life in a storytelling hoop dance, where up to 30 hoops may be spun at one time. By the time we reach 20th century Australia, where bamboo hoops are taking off as an omnipresent plaything, the hoop has thousands of years of history to it. But how did it get to the USA? Our guest Bunny B. Starr explains... The story goes that two guys were making slingshots in a garage in Los Angeles and they're toy makers, aspiring entrepreneurs, and they'd heard about the hoop craze in Australia, um, which obviously, you know, was going off in schoolyards and playgrounds and hoops were made at that time from bamboo in the 1940s. And then by the 1950s, late 1950s, I believe it was 1957, Toltoys came in and they started developing plastic hula hoops. A year later, uh, Richard Nur and Arthur Spud Mellon heard about this and from an Aussie and they got on it and they made something like 25 million hula hoops made and sold 25 million hula hoops in the first four months and about 100 million hula hoops in the first year of selling whammo hoops and from then the hula hoop craze was on. While at home in the USA whammo may still be a household name elsewhere in the world its products speak for it. New Zealanders, for instance, may not have heard of Whammo, but they've definitely heard of the frisbee, silly string, the hacky sack, and of course the hula hoop. Named after Hawaiian hula dancers, Whammo's plastic hoops could not be a bigger success. Selling 25 million hoops in the first four months, hula hooping mania sweeps the United States 
and the world. Bunny B. Starr discusses just how hula hoops were received then and throughout the rest of history. I mean, from the very first day back in ancient times, we seem to love the circle and gravitate to it quite easily and naturally. Um, so the hoop has been received so well throughout time. And, you know, obviously in the 1950s, it just became a worldwide craze that started in Australia and then on to the US and throughout uh, the United Kingdom. And uh, it was banned though, it wasn't received um, super well in Japan and Indonesia or Russia. Japan and Indonesia felt that it was a bit too racy, maybe a little indecent or with all that hip swinging and in Russia it was seen as a sign of the emptiness of American culture. Beyond that, we saw competitions. Uh, we saw the national hula hoop competition that started in 1968 and ran through to 1981. In 1980, there was a world hula hoop championship. And of course, there's been several Guinness World Records uh, made with hula hooping over the years. So I would say, you know, the hula hoop has been loved and received with spinning delight and joy worldwide, with the exception, which is always the case. Hula hooping surely can't stay on top of the world forever. The general understanding is that by the 1980s, the hula hooping fad had mostly died out, as the hoop begins to find new life more as a specialist piece of circus equipment. Whammo has halted production of the hoops, pushed out of the field by a rival company producing hoops with ball bearings in them, that in themselves were a short-lived sensation. Of course, when asked the question, when did the hula hooping fad end, Bunny B. Star responds quite plainly that it didn't. I don't see that hula hoops have ever faded out of popularity. It seems the circle has been spinning for a long, long time. I mean, we have, as I mentioned, um, artifacts from as far back as 500 BC, you know, we see it in Great Britain in the 1300s. We see Native Americans and Eskimos using hoops as target practice for harpooning and hunting. Of course, the Native American hoop dance dates back to the 1400s, which is, you know, a, a different kind of hooping to swinging it around, but a, uh, a mode of storytelling and symbology of the circle of life. We see the hoop come back in the 1300s and 1800s in Great Britain where it's been rolled around. There was a whole bunch of hoop rolling and throwing and even whirling it around the body as we know it today. And then in Australia with bamboo hoops and then on to Whammo and the 1950s craze and then in the 1960s, we see it in Russian and Chinese circuses. So the Russians must have changed their mind. Um, we see the hula hoop 
contests, an annual event from 1968 to the 80s. I recall personally in the 1980s scented hula hoops. I had a chocolate hula hoop, a banana hula hoop and a strawberry hula hoop. There was a little a little collab there with a flavoured milk company called Big M in Victoria. So they're scented as well. They had ball bearings. In the 1990s, a rock group called the String Cheese Incident is credited for bringing it back to the US. They were throwing hoops out into the audience as they were playing music and encouraging people to dance. I personally discovered the hoop in 1994 in Melbourne, Australia on a dance floor in a nightclub where a circus hooper came in and rocked out a show. From that moment, I was hypnotized and needed to get my hoop on. Then we see the internet um, pop up uh, alongside Burning Man. And I think those two events pretty much have embedded the hoop in our culture as we see it today and going into the future. I'm not sure if you're aware of the hoop community online, but it's massive. It's a very exciting international community of hoopers who travel all over the world for to hoop together, to be with each other. I found the hula hoop community, the Californian community, on tribe.net, the original Facebook, back in, I think it was 2005, and set up my business, Hoop Empire, in that same year. And, I mean, if we look at Grace Jones, who was given one of my hula hoops by a good friend and has hooped with it ever since, she's now in her mature years. So, yeah, it's... the. I am yet to see the hoop fade out, and I think it's here to stay. Beyond its use as a toy, the hula hoop has found a key role in both the athletic and circus worlds. In athletics and personal health, hooping has found new life. It's regularly taught in gyms and by personal trainers, where it's used to teach concentration, posture and general well-being. Much like the skipping rope, athletes the world over use hoops regularly, along with anyone looking to improve their fitness and health. Bunny B. Starr discusses the importance of the hula hoop in the circus world. Hula hoops are, dare I say, hypnotizing. I mean, have you ever seen someone hula hooping and been able to look away and not want to join in? Hula hoops were introduced into Russian and Chinese circuses in the 60s and it's continued to be a circus tradition ever since. You'll often see the hoop as the finale in any circus repertoire or the opening act. If you haven't seen a hoop show at a cabaret or circus, you need to. And of course Cirque du Soleil take it to a whole other level with mind and body bending contortions it's so entertaining hula hooping is something that just fixates you like draws you in and it demonstrates a really high level of physical skill it's clear that the hula hoop is here to stay though it's likely the name we call it by 
and the way we use it will continue to adapt and evolve as it has throughout history. Long cemented as a universal item of pop culture, the hula hoop can be seen everywhere, from the Pixar movie Wall-E, where the titular robot finds one on a post-apocalyptic Earth, to the Coen brothers' Hudsucker Proxy, which retells a fake origin story for the hoop. It's on the walls of London alleyways, in Banksy's Hula Hooping Girl, a piece of street art depicting a girl hula hooping with a tyre. Bunny B. Star closes the story by discussing the legacy of the hula hoop and what it represents. The hoop has been spinning in one way or another for thousands of years. I think its lasting impact is in reminding us of fun and simple ways to exercise and play. Culturally, the hoop shows us how naturally drawn we are to the circle, both individually and collectively. We've gone from sitting around the fire to spinning fire. I mean, many people now have the fire spinning around them on hula hoops. It reminds us of being a kid and our potential for eternal youth, if only by the way we think of it, or the way we think. Instead of seeing hooping as a fad, maybe we can see our perceptions of it as a fad and to note that some things are everlasting, like the circle and cycles of life. And we certainly know that what goes around comes around, particularly with hula hoops. I think now we need to take our sourcing of materials seriously. As hoop makers, we need to be using recycled plastic. And as I mentioned before, we worked really hard this year at Hoop Empire to make that happen. It's not an easy or cheap manufacturing process, but it's definitely now possible. And I think we really need to get onto that. We need to be super vigilant about how we take care of our things, our, including our hula hoops and how we dispose of them and any waste that may occur along the way in making them. So I think hula hoops remind us of circularity, the circle of life and cycles of life, but also the circular processes that we need to take on now in design and manufacturing production of hula hoops, that's really necessary. So I think we've really come full circle with the hoop and I believe it's not going anywhere. Thanks for listening to Since the World's Been Turning. I'm Robin Harrison. Special thanks to our guest, professional hula hooping performer, Bunny B. Star, the founding director and owner of Australian hula hoop company, Hoop Empire. Thanks to Will McGillivray for the introduction music and to our writer, Jack McGee. Please join us again next time as we continue to explore the people, events and places behind Billy Joel's iconic song when we dive into the life and times of Cuban revolutionary Fidel Castro. For more episodes and information, you can follow NZ Pods, that's P-O-D-Z, on Instagram and Facebook, or you can visit our website, www.nzpods.com. That's nzpodz.com. Giving us reviews and ratings on your podcast service helps us share this project with more listeners. So please share your thoughts. 
we greatly appreciate your help in keeping this project going. Thanks again for listening, and please come back next time to hear more from Since the World's Been Turning.